finish it. Alright, long time no see. But the best thing here is that it's great that we have this kind of online platforms that we can you know, have these chats, even if we are not on the, in the same place like we used used to be one year ago. So, what's up? All good, all good. Everyone's healthy and uh, the snow situation here in, in Jyväskylä is pretty good. Yeah, all good here. Dodging Corona. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> all, all the time, from left yeah. and right. Uh, nice, uh, Anto, nice that you mentioned that, that we used to have those discussions on site. Any nice stories or things from that time that we were in Doha? Yeah, from the personal development I think our daddy time was something. So after the school, if you remember, it took one to, one to two hours that we, we, we spent with our kids outside where they were jumping and running around and we had quite a lot of interesting uh, conversations going on about, for example, learning approaches, different kind of student management systems. I really hope that we can actually transfer all this, all these feelings and emotions to this podcast. But yeah, what about you? I remember that we were kind of irritated about not having that much things to do in that sense that we're used to play in the forests and uh, jump from rock, one rock to another and then there we have just like bushes and and playing flat grass and something like that but the kids they they always knew what they wanted to do and they always came up with something but good that you mentioned those student management systems Panu how did you see the the student management system that we had there in Doha well, let's say that uh, there are really versatile student management systems around the world and, and at Doha I, I kind of missed Vilma sometimes. Vilma is the Finnish student management system and uh, yeah, I, I missed it at Doha. <laughs> I, I never actually thought I would say that aloud, but yeah, I, I missed Vilma. Really? Really? Mate? Vilma? Yeah, I think the main reason for that one is that teaching system here in Finland is pretty different. We have these three tiers of support and they are not easy to explain to someone coming from another um, school system. And they are definitely not easy to, to explain to someone who is not into school system business either. Yeah, I, I agree, agree with you here and of course we need to remember, like you, you have mentioned, we are not saying that the system didn't work in Qatar. It was a, you know, just a first part of the progress and like you mentioned, it's quite difficult even as an expert of Finnish education to explain what you are really looking from the system. Do, do you agree with me guys? Yeah, I agree with you. It's not easy to put into words the Finnish education system at all. So how would someone understand or how could someone understand how to put it in numbers either? But here I need to ask you, you guys, that do we have even this common understanding in Finland? Oh no. 
You mean like common understanding in what? Like uh... about our core cur curriculum or the system that is actually working. I because you mentioned Bilma and that's why I laugh because if you go and ask teachers, most of them will say that come on, it's not working at all. Too many, too too much bureaucracy, for example. Or is there enough time to try to understand the core curriculum? Because you need to, you need to create those pedagogical documents every every day. And uh, is there enough time for you for your personal development then? Yeah, but um, actually, Anton, you mentioned curriculum and and Vilma, and I see that they are not connecting. They, these are like two separate things. But I guess. This platform that our guest is telling us about later will will somehow connect the SMS and 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 also the curriculum. I need to continue from whether the teachers in today's school here in Finland have enough time or not. But I have heard some worrying news about the learning results, especially in maths here in Finland. <laughs> We have maths teacher here, so Pano, please can you explain? What is going on? Uh, dudes, it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. It's like it's. I'm not. I'm, I don't blame anyone. I guess like the society is changing, like the kids are changing, the students are changing. So it's not like um, when we studied at the elementary school. It's it's totally different place nowadays, and also like the middle school and. High school, it's it's totally different place. I think that the question is that are we, the Finnish education system, too far behind to reach our potential? Are we are we too far away from the society, as the one news article in Switzerland stated? Because I guess that we have pretty good practical approaches to support the students. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Do you remember guys when we when we spent what it was two and a half weeks together when our families actually went back to Finland and I found that book that Pano of course didn't want to share with us. Mm -hmm. It was called Flipped Learning in Finland. Yeah. And what and that was something, you know, I read it in a two days. And then we had a great discussion. Then you, you joined us, uh, our company, and you also read the book. Mm. And that was, you know, eye-opening. It truly was, and and especially the thing that how to support the students' self-determination, and uh, I think that's also the key element in today's society. Yeah, and and uh, like the flipped learning models that the book introduced are quite interesting. Also, there's this agenda model. Which actually our guest might know something more, and I'm eager to listen what he has to say about it. But even math teachers can use this flip learning. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm doing it every day. <laughs> I think that's the key element about the flip learning that there's no one way of doing it. So it's just like a umbrella of of that method, and then you can create your own methods under that one. Yes, it's basically it's more like. Um, student-oriented uh, learning method than, than like this like teacher-based learning method that teacher will 
teach same thing for everyone, but in this flip learning model, everyone is learning something that suits them best. Mm-hmm. So it's not not same content for everyone either. Yeah, I guess the most difficult part of flipped learning is the thing that you need to be awake as a teacher and and your teaching is structured the whole different way that you've been taught how to teach or you've seen how to teach as Anton has said before many of those things that we do are because of uh, what we have seen in our youth all right guys enough is enough halas like we used to say in Doha time to move on to our expert who will teach us, who will explain us how the things are really going on and how we can support each other. So, Pano, could you please introduce our next guest? Uh, he is originally from Savo, land of people who speak a lot and leave the responsibility for the listeners. He has a long experience in education and he has also been a co-writer in this book mentioned earlier, Flipped Learning. He is a class teacher who wants to have all his students learning at their own zone of proximal development. In other words, he wants his students to be able to learn learn things that are achievable for them. He also has educated many teachers as a tutor and through his own company. For a few years he has worked with this Vanta-based interesting project called Digi1, which we are eager to learn more about. Welcome, Edu Hacker, Markus Humaloja. Thank you guys for having me here. Uh, it's uh, very, very interesting to be here. And what I've listened here you talking uh, is that uh, we we definitely will have a very, very uh, interesting discussion today. Thank you. Great. And again, the list was quite long, Markus, that what you have been doing. And I think that's again a great role modeling of being a you know class teacher, because whenever people are asking what are you doing, I'm a class teacher. They're expecting you to do all the things that you have been doing. So great. How how did you end up in the field of education? Well, um, there's a old story. <laughs> I had a, a teacher in when, when I I was in fifth grade. He taught me like two years, sixth, uh, fifth and sixth grades, and he was like making our culture to work like like I think the school should work uh, later on. I mean, I mean, when I was studied to be a teacher and I was a teacher, I I was thinking that okay, that the thing we uh, we were doing when when I was in elementary school was very uh, motivating way to study. I started to read more about that and and okay that's another story. <laughs> so uh, after the elementary school I I was like playing hockey of course. I live in Finland, northern Finland. And one of my hockey coaches were, were teacher and after the army I came back to the my hometown and I I didn't exactly do what to do know what to do and I applied to go to study like uh, ICT and and I actually went there and I spent there like six months and then my coach was calling me that what are you doing now and he was asking me to uh, come to his school to be a substitute teacher 
I said, okay, I, I, I have to come because I need some money. And I, I went there and, and the, the rest of the story, <laughs> you will know, I en ended up to resign from the school I were in studying and, and I continued to be a substitute teacher for, your, for a year. And then I applied to uh, study to be a teacher and I graduated 2003 from Oulu University. And since that, I've been working as a teacher, but last three years now working for the Digi1 uh, initiative. So uh, practically, I still think I'm a teacher. <laughs> Yeah, definitely a very experienced teacher in that sense. But you know what? You are like you know you are following the pattern for most of the teachers. I don't remember what what was the name of the research, but it is like eighty percent of us they have some kind of you know role model from our school, previous schools, and that's why we want to become a teachers or our parents, for example. But yeah, I interesting. You said that. Already back in the days when you, when you was in the school, it was something that you think we should promote today. Did I understand it correctly? Yes, it's the basically he, uh, the teacher, he was using the method called Wochenplan in German, and that was like like the like like Panu earlier mentioned that the agenda model or. I prefer uh, Wochenplan <laughs> because it's a, it's like a weekly pace plan. What is your goal this in this week? And then you do all the assignments and exercises. And then after the week, you can show that you made your goal. So that, that was like the biggest thing for me. I was able to adjust my pace and, and decide how I'm going to do the studying. Yeah, we had a guest who used the Finnish term parastaminen uh, in English it's maybe translated still and make it better so you're kind of doing that one as well so there we have it yeah 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 I'm kind of adding the technology on that <laughs> yeah definitely that's again in interesting one and I think that uh, it was also based on the freedom like you mentioned about the pace that you you was able to decide what you're gonna what you're gonna do. So that again, it's basing on the you know history of uh, physiologic that uh, we need this freedom to choose. Yeah, um, basically we had a notebook. Every student we had a notebook, and at the beginning of the week, our teacher gave us a a little note. Uh, the note said all the like assignments and exercises we have to do in in the week we glued the, the note to our notebook and we had to make like a notes for every uh, assignment or exercise after we have did it we had to like evaluate how we uh, managed to do that and and after the week we had to bring the notebook to the teacher and he was able to read how are we going forward he was helping us during the week and, and making us shine. So about this agenda model, it's really interesting and or Wohenplan, how you want to say or call it. But uh, could you tell a little more about it? It's really interesting and uh, like uh, usually teachers only go 
with the average students. So how how you like take into con- consideration like for the like uh, the same students and also like the high achievers? How can you differentiate these ends better, or how how what's the best method for that? When I was a classroom teacher, I I need to like teach all the subjects to for for my class and. I do the planning before that I know what's going in in any subject. So I know what's going on maths and I know what's going on Finnish language and so on. So uh, inside those plans, I I know that, okay, we are taking the next week and what what are the uh, main objectives for the week in, in every subject. And so if there is a really hard and big objective in math, maybe I can take something off from the Finnish language to make the week like in balance. And then I collect all the subjects, uh, all the assignments and exercises for a list. And then I publish it to the, to my students and they know what to do and they can choose what they do, when they do and how they do it. Basically the exercise is telling the more, more exact, uh, instructions how, how to do the exercise or or the assignment and they can choose when they do and uh, with whom they work and then after the after the assignment they they have to evaluate how did they manage to lead themselves and work and and they don't need to evaluate how well they know the learning content or that that's my job so uh they they more they are more like evaluating how they work and how they follow the instructions sounds interesting uh this sounds uh, uh, like a lot uh, like a big chunk of work for for teachers so how how will you cope with this or do you like do co-teaching or something like that yeah uh, all the time i've been doing this i i've i've been very blessed to have like very good colleagues and we we have been doing this together so uh, basically if i plan math for example my all my planning is shared to my colleagues students also so my colleague is doing some other subject and share sharing it to my students so i i don't have to care anything about the other subject according to planning and it, it makes my job a little bit easier so when we share the work, we can we can make it a little bit lighter. Okay, how about this freedom thing? I I was thinking like a, uh, you give quite a lot of freedom to students. How how can like everyone study with that freedom? You don't force anyone to go on or or like is is this freedom like a thing that motivates them? Yeah. Um, let's say I'm a teacher the freedom is like lie (laughs) Uh, I make them feel like like they they have freedom but uh, it's all about the structure around everything so they have to report to me they have freedom to do things when they want and how they want but they have to report to me and when they are reporting to me they, they have to show that they, they have done everything like I ask. So basically the freedom is <laughs> actually a structure that they can 
move inside the structure as well, as much as they can and and that's that's the feeling of freedom okay how about these high achievers like they get this Wohen model and they they like uh, do everything on monday and then they have done everything on tuesday and what what then what will they do next most of the that kind of students they they express themselves so i've been uh, trying to make it possible to let's say do music or to to arts or whatever they want to do and if they want to do like harder math it's okay i can arrange that too but they uh, i basically let them choose and those students uh, believe or not it's not my problem they, they are always asking for something very creative <laughs> so it's not a problem okay interesting so you definitely answered a couple of the questions that we had already in our minds because we all know that the time is something that we are missing in our schools if you go and ask so the, i believe that you saved a lot of time by you know co-teaching and uh, or did you have some kind of you know from the principal some kind of allocated times to have those meetings or were they outside the school hours no no we didn't have any extra time uh, we were using modern collaborative tools <laughs> like google documents and stuff where all the planning is and and we had like 15 minute meetings twice in a week in the morning and we were like going through uh the future weeks and the future plans in different subjects but Basically, we, we didn't need any time. Everything was in, in documents and we, we were able to uh, go, the, go forward with the plan in there. All right. And I think that it helps a lot when you only have, let's say, one or two or three subjects to plan and you really rely on your colleagues to do them to do their job as well. Exactly, exactly. And also, it'll make me like more motivation time to to really put on everything to those subjects I'm planning. And I see that my colleagues are doing the same. So it's a win-win for everybody. That's actually quite quite nice idea by focusing on your own strengths and share with each other. So definitely a great, great one. Based on even this, you know, short conversation that we are having here, we clearly can hear and see that uh, you have been doing a lot of work, a lot of re researches, even you have been using and promoting the model that you found out from your from your first teacher, most of most of in that sense. But um, which aspects or insights led to the challenging status quo of education? Because definitely based on you know your thoughts that you have been sharing even in that book or uh, in this 2018 it was oh sorry 2016 there was a, a news about you know the school that project is you know changing and reforming the education from so from where that is coming so it wasn't just enough to teach basically in the cl own classroom can you share that one yeah in in that time uh finland were in a phase that uh, we had a new 
new basic education curriculum coming in. The discussion about the curriculum was very, very hot then. I mean, people were talking about that uh, students are not going to use pens anymore and they are writing only with the keyboard. And <laughs> uh, let's say all the waves were very, very high in that time. And the Finnish broadcasting company, Yle, they were asking that they want to do this TV show for the uh, like a news department that they can show that there are a few guys doing something dif- different <laughs> in school and they call it like a school workshop, guys who are repairing the school. Okay, that was very fun project for us and for my students. <laughs> but the main thing was that it is not something which is like breaking anything or, or bringing totally new. We were actually saying that that's no nothing new, that we, we are just doing what the curriculum says that we should do, that we should like let students participate more, let the students like decide more about their learning and be more in it, own the learning, like they say. So... Um, Basically, it wasn't like the yellow pages of the <laughs> of the newspaper. It was more more like a, a dull expression of the school is not breaking anything, or <laughs> we are just trying to follow the curriculum. And I believe that based on that example, great example, many of us have also been inspired to do things, you know, still a little bit differently. Because you talk about and Pano asked about this weekly model, and I have been you know, listening listening very carefully because actually, yes, I was doing similar to that, but after I read your book, it was much more you know clear. Okay, with those small steps and tools, you can actually enhance the learning from individuals. So definitely, those that's a very you know important work to give that inspiration to everyone else and based on this you know inspiration and uh, you know the, uh, creating a context i believe that the flipped learning in finland is the book that you wrote with your co co-authors pekka peura and uh, marika toivola it's a great example of modern life that we need to have this discussion going on we need to push forward we can't hold us back based on our own experiences there should be some kind of scientific research and background so based on this one and again the book was excellent i we can have a, you know a, a one day only or even more to talk about it one so great book but how how actually did you find each others from you know because there's a three great examples you know you marika and pekka you think a little bit differently than most of us uh, basically the tv show was gaining the publicity around pekka and me and in that time pekka was more famous uh, than the tv show before the tv show came out so the publishers were asking that can, can you write about this and and pekka were thinking at that okay maybe maybe not let's t- let's see and and then he was asking me and marika to join join him and th- that we can do the book together then we agreed with one publisher 
uh, we can we can write the book. And Marika and Pekka they knew themselves like uh, earlier, and and I didn't knew Marika in that time, but I got to know her via Pekka in, in that project. And Marika is the like the scientific mind in 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 the book, and she brought all the uh, scientific perspective to the book, and she was able to teach me uh, how to think about uh, motivation theories and all that learning related motivational talk and we can hear like everywhere so that's the story i believe that's why that book is quite you know again not quite sorry to say to use that word it's a great example when you know concrete examples are combined with the theory so it's not just about you know i have been doing this for 20 years or even for five years and i think that's a good one there's some kind of you know theory based on every move that you are doing uh i know that that's a finished problem sometimes to modesty because you brought up that you know we were just doing the basic stuff uh but still it seems that in in finland in schools we are not doing that enough and my you know this opinion is based on this latest surveys that you know provide by OASD uh, survey that was uh, case Helsinki where the focus was on social emotional intelligence and satisfaction school satisfaction then uh, already mentioned uh, Finnish um, education evaluation center which is also providing quite alarming results about our state of education so what do you think why it's so that still most of us most of the teachers are not you know saying that hey we are promoting this you know um, safety safety environment where uh, pupils have freedom to choose what they can do even it's illusion like you mentioned that's a very tough question for first is the Finnish curriculum actually trying to achieve what the PISA is like measuring, or the uh, other kind of kind of like tests or studies? They are measuring something, and the Finnish curriculum is like doing something. And of course, uh, I think that the uh, the deployment of the Finnish curriculum is not like ready yet. Uh, it was a quite big step to the direction of the more student-centered learning culture. And it is not like deployed in every school, I, I think. It'll require a lot of work to, to change the culture. And it takes not one teacher, it takes a one school to uh, change the culture. And at least in, in my school, I, I guess, that we made it like team by team. So uh, one team, for example, my team with my colleagues, we decided to change the culture and we did it. Then all the other teams, our school saw what we are doing and they saw how the students are enjoying it. So they wanted to do the same thing. And so all the teachers were, were able to decide together that we can go to that direction. We can systematically make everything to go that way and now they are along the way way there i mean 
I'm behind now because <laughs> I've not been there. So um, uh, I guess that every school have to do those steps. They they have to like see the example. They have to decide that they go that way, and then the culture is changing. There is like thousands of schools, and every school has has to face it. That's why the the change is very slow. And if we want to measure what the curriculum wants to bring, I I don't think that we still get the results because the change is not there yet. According to those like differences between the gender and more alarming that the differences between the social economic background, uh, I'm very, very worried about that. I think that school should solve that. So school should provide more support to those uh, children who doesn't get it from home. And it goes back to the uh, uh, social economic background and education level of the parents and so on. So we know who are those kids and we, we know that we can provide the support. All we need is the resources for the school to do it. So what I think is that we should point the resources to cut that development as quick as we can, because it's not good development in my point of view. Yeah, now we hear different professionals coming to schools like educational directors or educational assistants and uh, more like... um youth workers and those kind of professionals coming to schools but what worries me is who is guiding the work are they just hired to school and then said that yeah we need your work just go and do your magic or is there someone who really knows the big picture and knows how to guide every single professional in the school that is the thing that worries me at the moment and also resources yeah i agree there should be a coordination of all these different ways for the support for the students so uh, all the guidance counseling and and youth workers and many different kind of support there is should be coordinated very carefully and we should know what we do with the resources i agree Yes, I guess you are in at the roots of, of Finnish school system, like have the equality for everyone and support for those who really need it. But we about leadership, this like uh, example you just mentioned is like a really good example how you can like uh, lead a pedagogical change in your school. And it was coming from teachers. Uh, we have had one episode about like leadership with Nick and... Uh, I'm not sure if it was an episode, but I have heard this from Nick that uh, there are a lot of teachers who don't know that they don't know. <laughs> so that this means that there's uh, like a, you know what you are doing and, and you have this good vision about how, how the learning happens and how to support the different students. But how this change like would happen that everyone would understand the like the idea of the new curriculum yeah that's a good question and i believe that if we could have a discussion about the curriculum from the same 
perspective of saying spot. I mean, uh, now we are talking about robots and coding and stuff like uh, what's not important thing in, in curriculum. We, we should talk about the learning culture and the whole structure of the curriculum. We, we have to understand that there is like objectives and they are telling how to teach the subject and then the objectives are telling how to assess the, how the learning is going and then we know that we have criteria for that for this assessment so if we are able to go for a discussion that everybody understands that the curriculum is like one structure which is uh same for every different city in Finland and the local curriculums are based on that same structure and when we understand how the structure works in the same way then we will have the discussion that we can actually discuss how those objectives what they are what they actually mean how should I apply them in my teaching and how should I apply them when I'm assessing so I think that we we need a common understanding about the curriculum first. Yeah, and not just blindly look at the textbooks. Uh, yeah, yeah, that is uh, the next step. And here I just can't resist to, you know, say, because uh, a couple of days ago, actually Marika Toivola shared one quite powerful post in social media around the world. It's well known that Uh, all teachers in Finland, uh, you know, they have a high education and that's maybe my favorite topic that maybe we should find also start to talk about that we have different kind of teachers in our schools because Markus, you also, you have a sports background from ice hockey, you know, and all of, all four of us. So it's quite easy to say that why in schools we are not saying that out loud that we have some excellent teachers because they have been pushing they have been using their time they have they want to develop then we have you know average good ones which fills you know they understand most of the things uh, or all of the things but and they they are they are good ones and then unfortunately like in every professional we have the third group that maybe don't care they don't want to or they don't have a skills to do and here you mentioned about the common understanding uh, I think it's a quite tough task because it needs that everyone will actually sit, learn, think, reflect, and then have the conversation. So yeah, yeah. maybe that's another another topic. But I just couldn't resist because I I think it was a great good post from <laughs> from her that she was you know saying actually that one and it's now it's easy to say that someone more you know skillful have said that out loud. So now it's safely I can also say that that here. <laughs> but yeah it has been great to hear your thoughts about this you now flipped learning and the models how to you know affect on learning cultures in schools and it has been also great to hear that actually you didn't need any extra time you used modern technology to have this collaboration and the most important you wanted to change you wanted to you know not even change but you wanted to give that freedom uh even it's illusional freedom, but to the students, and you saw great outcomes from that one. 
So de- definitely, definitely interesting one. And we need to have another session when we'll just only talk about the book and the you know concept of flipped learning and the approaches that you have been using there. Because now uh, I think it's time to move on and talk a little bit about the technology, which is a still, I, I believe it's quite still, you know, a hot potato going on. How many hours to use it? Should we, you know, change all the hard copy books and go fully online? Uh, so, yeah, I think you, you, you have a good thought about it and have a quite tricky question to Marcus to start this topic. Yeah, so now the topic is technology as a learning designer. Um, how do we utilize the technology? How do we use it? when we are trying to gain good results and also how do we use it in the schools now <clears throat> i want to paint this picture we are still living in the first phase of covid we sent our students back home and then we need to figure out how can we remotely teach them i think the introduction for technology based teaching for every teacher came on that time and pretty much everyone needed to learn how to use Microsoft Teams or Google Classroom. Uh, Marcus, what do you think? What were the benefits or what were the disadvantages of, of this scenario that it came so fast? It's easier to open up with the advantages. It gave no choices for the teachers that how to do this. They had only one choice and that made it happened. I mean, the big leap ha- happened. They they had to take it. Unfortunately, like uh, Anton said, that the equipment in every school isn't in that level that it should be for that kind of a situation. So uh, I have heard that there is like classes and children who had like Vilma message in Monday morning saying all the assignments for the week and then they heard about the teacher next Monday, new new assignments. In the other hand, I know that my colleagues, they had like, like normal way, they published the weekly plan and the students went, went in and they had like scheduled meets during the day. And also the students were able to call the teacher with the Google Meet whenever they wanted. So they, they get their help they need whenever they need it. Also, the students were like uh, teaming up with the, uh, with the Google Meet, even though everyone was in their own home. So <laughs> the collaboration didn't stop between the students. And that was possible because they all had the school provided Chromebook and they could kind of continue what they were doing at school. That's pretty important thing that you mentioned there, that they could continue the same thing that they were doing already at school with this weekly planning thing, that they already know that, hey, we have the plan there, now it's just a different place. Now we don't have Berti here on my left side and Ritva here on my right side, but we j- I, I just need to call them via Teams or, or Google Meet. Yeah, exactly. That That's the one thing that they were able to like just continue what they were doing. So this agenda model is COVID proof. Would you say that? So you can do it at home or <laughs> or at school. I, I I don't know about the 
prove, but uh, let's say the collision wasn't that bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds like it. So let's dig deeper into community level. So what do you think? What does school need to effectively utilize technology as a learning designer? Uh, I think uh, it it is part of the learning culture. I mean, the technology shouldn't be a device for apps or device for something. It should be like a tool for everything. And I, I don't mean that you have to do everything with a computer. You, you still can paint and do like handicrafts and so on. But computer is very, very handy tool for a lot of things like doing podcasts or <laughs> stuff like that. So I think if we look, look forward, it doesn't go away. I mean, everything is more and more relying on technology. So the learning culture should too. We should do things with the collaborative tools and and take the advantage of the collaboration and make use of all these uh, features the technology bring us. So you should design the learning with the technology and you should design the technology with the learning. So so in your mind, which one comes first? Is it the hardware first or is it the pedagogy first? <laughs> Spoiler, hardware, of course, because we, we can't use any technology without the hardware. <laughs> yeah, so we need to have the equipment to really change the pedagogy as well. Yeah, like I told, if you are trying to implement the technology to your learning culture, it, it means that every student should have their own device. Yeah, in my opinion, there are plenty of schools who are in... Um, beta version of their digitalization so they are basically uh, using equipment what they can get their hands on and uh, it's just like extra for all the all the studying and stuff like that so it's not really a cultural change as it is stated in some reports and researches that it also needs the technology needs to have the pedagogical and cultural change as well to truly work yeah i agree yeah so i have few few statements here the first statement is we have too many platforms we have peda.net we have teams we have local drives we have wilma we have plenty of different things to work on what do you think about this uh, i think that it's busted yeah we have too few platforms we have a uh, right amount of systems <laughs> like a, a learning management systems and different kind of like edtech products. It's a good amount of them available, but we we don't have platform which is like combining the data from them. So all the data is uh, spreaded all over the different services and applications, and it makes the whole field of technology look like. It's a very spread out thing and nobody knows what's happening there. So uh, I think we need uh, one or two or few good platforms collecting the data for us. Yeah, great, great thinking. The next statement would be then change towards technology based learning needs strong support from the management. Yeah, that's true. Uh, the management uh, should provide all the uh, 
infrastructure like devices and network and, and services and i say it again services we need the uh, software and we need the tools and we need the content that we can use it like creatively what do you think about this one um the work in typical finnish school is too individualized for shared technological innovations to win ground you have kind of busted this one but what about in a typical finnish school what do you think have you seen different schools i kind of agree with that because uh the teaching profession in finland is a lonely work teachers are not collaborating as much as they could so the technology uh, creates the advantage when when it comes to collaboration and and if we're not collaborating we're not like drawing up this advantage quoting uh sir ken robinson and from his book creative schools modern schools arose over the course of the industrial revolution and we are still there and because he's mentioning in, in his his book that um, first thing of school was to produce useful labor for factories and we are still in that model going on and that's why it's easy to work alone yeah exactly in a school exactly and the product of the uh, school today is still the same like factory line product coming with the factory settings ready for the self of the market so uh should we have a product which is like creative mind which is ready for everything i mean he doesn't know anything but he is ready for learning anything so that's the product i i'm thinking about agree on that one because we don't even know what's going to happen in next two years like COVID, you know showed very well to us and many many occupations you know gone or and uh, at the same time a lot of you know rose also 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 the climate change is being very up in discussion right and if you think about the finland and uh, what's happening in in finnish swamps with this uh fuel production it cut back in a year nobody didn't know how quickly it's gonna disappear so uh Everything's changing so rapidly. Really good ideas about those. And uh, let's jump back to the school platform. Um, I'm not sure who is really leading the digitalization in schools, but I read plan from this one municipality near Turku in Finland that they have been doing from 2015 this one thing that there is a technology-based learning designer who is actually hired to make a plan for the whole municipality how to utilize the technology without even endangering the the individual work of teacher which we so much appreciate here in Finland. So do you think that there should be this kind of person in in every municipality or is it enough that there is uh that we can think that there is enough motivation in an average school to kind of break through yeah i i think that uh, the municipalities and the cities they should invest more on on designing the technology for uh, education they should be more aware what kind of hardware they 
they buy and what kind of uh, services and software they buy. And also, not to mention about uh, privacy re regulation and uh, training of the all personnel, uh, including teachers, how to use technology and how to follow the privacy regulation. So this should be coordinated in every city and municipality that they actually understand what they are doing. And I think that in Finland, not all the towns and municipalities are big enough to take care of this. So it should be coordinated in a national level. And in my understanding, the Finland is not working in a way that somebody is saying it from the Helsinki that you you have to do it in that way. They just give us like guidelines and then everybody has to follow them. And with those guidelines, the National Board of Education or the Ministry of Education should guide all the municipalities and cities in a direction that they understand how to develop their educational technology. And also <laughs> the cooperation between the cities should be awarded. They can be more funded or something which is motivating them to cooperate. Yeah, I took part in this um, seminar. I think it was called The Next Decade of Education in Finland or something like that. That that really opened my eyes because there were somewhere around 20 municipalities from all over Finland and they could share, they, they had a forum to share their ideas actually, whether they had it from the student support point of view or special education point of view or, or digitalization point of view. And I was actually amazed that it wasn't promoted more because I, I, I thought that it was so brilliant. The idea was so excellent. And that was only the seminar. That was only the forum. The municipalities, they had done the work for, let's say, from six months to 24 months already. So it's a big work. And, and why won't we share those really good methods if we really can? So I think the core of the bad habits here is the individualization and doing things on our own. So it begins from the classrooms and it expands from the school and municipality levels. But I have this idea, and this one is also took from one report. There has been lots of um, reports and, and researches about how to use technology in the learning, but not especially about those with the learning difficulties. Do you have any like ideas or um, things? They don't need to be real uh, at the moment, but what could be the future for those who have learning disabilities? What can we do with the technology? I think there is already a lot of uh, applications uh, how we can do that. I mean, for example, if you're writing a document, it it helps you with the spelling and also uh, translators with uh, students with the other languages than Finnish, for example, in Finland. They can have a, their own tutor doing the translation for them when they use translator to read something in Finnish, even though they're not like fluent Finnish speakers in that time. So 
there's a lot of things already there and I can imagine that what's coming so for now all the um, platform level features like translators and speech to text text and text to speech and that kind of like features when they are implemented into uh, pedagogical applications and services they will bring a lot of more value for the students with disabilities and students with difficulties so they will have more help than just a teacher i think that's the first thing coming into my mind really good idea agree with you yeah and good thing to pinpoint those like everyday programs that we already can use yeah i was saying that i agree agree with that one but here i actually need to say that yes we have all those apps and there's gonna come more of them but then we go back to this culture in schools that we are having and how we support and do we allow them to use those ones and maybe not even it's a question about allowing those ones Uh, i think it's still about teaching because if i go again back that you mentioned about the weekly module that you you have been using with your students for you know many years they, they were used to so they were taught to to understand the concept so for them it was quite easy to move on to online even they you know missed face to face i believe so because that's again researchers saying that we and so humans we need those face to face interactions so but then students who were not prepared who were not given that chance to learn they were straight away in a disadvantaged situation so yes i and i just wanted to say that uh we can't forget we need to teach them how to use them and where because it it just happen. it can't just be like there you go like you mentioned marcus that there you go have a computer and solve all the problems by yourself yeah <laughs> and talking about the disadvantage how do you see the social aspect of digitalized learning what do you think how does digital learning take care of social emotional aspect uh you should ask uh this researcher from finland uh can't recall the name right now but you know she knows a lot of a lot of uh how emotions can be transmitted uh, via technological uh, messaging or communication so i think that it is not the same as in in person of course and for now it's easy to say it, it will never be <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i might change my uh, mind in, in a couple of years but for now i i would say that when you meet a person in in, in person you can transfer your emotions and the social uh, being like better than in in online but when we learn to communicate online i think there will be more ways to express ourselves emotionally and if we just look back like 20 years we had small cell phones with text messages no emojis now now we have like big screens and me emojis <laughs> so the technology is solving itself all the time and and that's why never say never but in in school it'll require the meeting in person still i guess i would say that 
the most of our students' social life is digitalized. They will use every kind of chat uh, messages and emojis and everything. But this is this is an aspect that I would say that curriculum is not taken into consideration. It's it's not like a, like how you use social media, for example, or or chats on these kind of things. I would say that curriculum is not. It's a bit old in that sense. Yeah. Should we just tell the kids what they should do with their smartphones, not tell them all the time to put the smartphone away? Yeah, uh, that's what I think. It's like like handing out a beer for minor. You can't do it without like <laughs> telling how to use it. So, <laughs> uh, in a way, those smartphones and and the technology for kids. It's not for kids in open concept, I guess. We we need to teach kids uh, how to use the technology and how, how not to use it. For example, you can't play games like 24-7. It's not for any, anybody's health. And also when it comes to privacy and publishing out your information, your pictures, we should be very careful. And again, if if we look back 10 years, there were smartphones, kids were using them. We had no restrictions for the kids. Now we have Family Link and the Apple screen time for families. We can limit and we can teach. The technology provided limit for using because it's not only the, it's not only solution for this, but it's a tool for parents to make the solution. I mean, if the kids are not listening to you, you can just make it happen with technology. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think we could get a lot of great discussion out of this. Thank you for these words. And um, next we're going to talk about the projects that you're in right now. But because we have so many interesting things to discuss about, let's continue the discussion in our next episode. Get finished.